Bibles now, and I believe you're going to find some real instruction for your life today. How many of you guys are living a life right now? You guys all there? How many of you guys need to get a life? Okay, raise your neighbor's hand if they need to get a life. You know? Hey, you're living your life. It's you. I can't live your life. I'm going to live my life, and I want to live my life well, and I want to live my life right And I want to know that when I surrender my pulse, that it will continue with purpose in the legacy, man. I want to to do it right. And so God has given to us his book. He's given to us the instruction. As much as I want to inspire all y'all every time I preach, that's awesome, I also want to instruct you. So that way, as you navigate through life, you'll know what the instructions are. And even in your days where there is no inspiration, that is, you're defeated, you're downtrodden, but you'll know the truth. You'll know the truth. And you'll know how to get back there. And you'll even know when you're wrong. Have you been wrong recently? Oh, man. Oh, man. I, I'm friends with you on Facebook. I know. <laughs> you're, and listen, when you're wrong, what do you, you got to go to what's right. And it's the word of God. And God instructs us how to stand now that we're sitting in him in the book of Ephesians. And then how to stand victoriously. Because the goal for all of us is to live right. To be victorious. Matter of fact, if you study the book of Ephesians. Eventually he says, now having done all, stand. In victory. Fully armored and all the rest. And knowing who God is. And knowing who you are. That's where he's taking us. But there's a bunch of steps in order to get us to that place of victory. And what he covers today is what I would just simplify. Being spirit filled. Walking in the spirit. Walking in the spirit, and as he unpacks this for us, I'm hoping you're surprised by the teaching today. I really, I hope you're, I hope you're, I hope you got questions. I hope you're even troubled a little. Like that didn't, that's not how I saw it. Because he's talking about walking in the spirit, and you would imagine that when he says, "Okay, be filled with the Holy Spirit," that the very next things he instructs us to do is to walk on water, speak in tongues, go heal the sick. Go multiply the bread, move the mountains, go raise the dead, be filled. How many of you guys have ever heard the term, be filled with the Holy Spirit? And you're like, man, that sounds awesome and scary and weird. Or walking in the Spirit. As a matter of fact, years and years and years ago, I was freshly married and I was in charge of a college ministry group. And we did this retreat up at the Boxar Ranch. And so we, about 20 college kids, went up there for a day and a half, maybe two and a half days. And I called it WITS, W-I-T-S. Super smart I am. So I wits. And it was called Walking in the Spirit. And the whole goal was to teach these college kids how to walk in the Spirit. And so I'm not kidding with you. The emphasis on the entire weekend was sitting and just listening to the Lord for hours at a time. Just totally quiet, journaling, writing things down, big thoughts, heavy thoughts that God gives to you. And guess what? That works. God does do that. He speaks to you. If you seek him and listen, you'll hear his voice. It's it's legit. And then not just times of silence, but we did times of just singing worship three, four hours at a time, just singing the same chorus. It was insanity, you know, just walking in the spirit. And we actually got in a circle and I taught on speaking in tongues and instructed people. Not all people do speak in tongues, but I said, we're going to, we're going to practice. We're going to just worship God and just kind of prayed and anointed everyone with oil and just walking in the spirit. It was very highly charged and sensationalized to a large degree, all biblical and all that's true and right, but listen, walking in the Spirit. Paul says, I want you to be filled, verse 18, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he doesn't talk about tongues. He doesn't talk about miracles. He doesn't talk about walking on water. He doesn't talk about it. He, he, you know what he talks about? Listen, he says, I want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that way you can just be you at your work. So that way you can be you at your job. That way you can be you at your family. That way you can be you when you drive 101. How many of you guys are filled with the Holy Spirit driving 101? You're like, wrong spirit, bro. You know, it's like, <laughs> man, I could use a little bit of the Holy Spirit driving 101. And that's what he's talking about. 
And he's given these practical instructions for Christians. And I just want this to be so normal. It's kind of a boring teaching, to be honest with you, the things he talks about, just the, norm, the normalcy of life. And I love getting hyped up and singing songs and taking communion and gathering. Wouldn't this be awesome if we all just had the same house and all lived together and drove in the same car and did the same thing together? So weird. It's impossible. We gather together, but you got to go do your own thing. And when you go, he says, don't go without me. Take me with you. I want to fill your life. I want to, and so we're going to get some instruction today to end that. And so let's read, and then I'll pray. Have I prayed yet? You just got to hold me accountable. Here we go. Verse 18. He preaches this way. And he says, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation. He's talking about the things we go to when life gets tough. How do you overcome? What do you, what do you go to for comfort and for direction and for solace? He says, don't, don't go to the bottle. That's, that's going to mess with you, he says. But, he says, verse 18, be filled with the Spirit. This is what you want to go to. This is your gift that God has given to you. And the way it looks is in verse 19. He says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. The Spirit-filled person is full of joy. Man, again, if you've thought about this, what's it mean to be Spirit-filled? It means I can prophesy and heal. What if it simply just means that you're happy? In other words, if you're not happy, you're not full of the Spirit at that moment. And we'll talk about what that means, because when you, when you hear the word filled, you're probably thinking of like when you go to Taco Bell and you get your refill on your cup, you know, and your cup's empty and you just want to, man, I'll stay filled. Listen, that's not what filled means. I'll, we'll go over that. But if you're not full of joy, you're not controlled by the Spirit at that very moment in time. He says the Spirit-filled person, they got joy, even in the midst of hard stuff, even in the midst of things that aren't what I want for my life. He goes on to say in verse 20. He says, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. What? There are other portions of scripture where Paul uses similar language, and he says, giving thanks to God in all things. You, you read that portion before? And I've always clarified. Notice he said, give thanks in all things, not for all things. Here, though, he says, give thanks for all things. Did you know you need a spiritual mind to give thanks for all things? The good, the bad, and the ugly? There are things right now in your life you've been through and you will go through that aren't good in and of themselves, isolated, set down. That's not a good thing. And he says, yeah, but if you're spirit-filled, you can thank God for it. <laughs> yeah, right. You don't understand my life, pastor. You don't know. I'm not thanking God for this. I understand. I get it. But a person who's filled with the Holy Spirit, which literally means to be given control over to, you're submitted to him. Okay, you're already full. If you're a Christian, you're full to the top. Can't stop it. Can't change it. You're full. He already gave himself to you but you haven't submitted to him in all things. You're still unfocused at times. You choose to be a free agent and do your own thing. You're still full, but you're not focused. To be filled means focused. And when you're focused on the Lord, even in the midst of that pink slip, even in the midst of that doctor phone call, even in the midst of whatever happens, you can say to God, I thank you, God, even for this. Although I don't understand it, you can be as honest as to say, I don't like it. You can even tell God, I didn't order this. You ever go to dinner sometimes and they put something down you didn't order? You're like, oh, I'll be nice and just eat it, you know? Or you're like, I did not order this, you know? And you can tell God that, but you can also thank him for it. Because here's the deal. You know the promises of God. He says, I promise you that I'll take all things and I'll work them together for my good, okay? Not all things are good. There are things in your life that are straight up from the devil, evil, bad from other people. You've made mistakes too. Like this, isolated by itself, is not good. God says, can you thank me for it? <laughs> Maybe if I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, yep, exactly. 
You can thank him. How would you do that? Because God's going to promise you that that somehow will form in you something that it wouldn't be possible to gain without it. You ever opened up an oyster looking for the pearl and there is no pearl? Okay, that oyster's like, yeah, I didn't have sand inside of me. It was awesome. You realize that that's what a pearl comes from, an irritant. It's not supposed to be there. Sand in the oyster, that's bad for the oyster. We look at it, ooh, pearl. Same, same thing. God says, hey, let me put something in you. Let me, let me let you walk through something. Isolated by itself, yeah, you're right. This is messed up. But I'll cause all things to work together for good. It's kind of like cookies. You guys like cookies? Raise your hand if you like cookies. Leave your hands down if you're a liar. <laughs> Everybody loves cookies. But in cookies, there's some weird ingredients, you know what I'm saying? Like baking soda and baking powder. You get some raw eggs in there, a teaspoon of salt, you know what I'm saying? Have you ever just taken a teaspoon of salt and just like, hey, it's in cookies. It must be good, <laughs> you know? Man, alone, isolated, no, not cool, not, not doing it for me. Not, but you put it all together, mix it up, bake it 350, eat it, milk and oh, that's good. And God says, the stuff in your life, you got to learn to trust me. You got to thank me for all, anyway, I was getting ahead of myself. That's what he says here. He keeps going, giving thanks for all things. And he says in verse 21, the spirit-filled person, the person who is giving themselves over to the control of the Holy Spirit, they're focused, not double-minded. Verse 21 says, submitting to one another in the fear of God. We'll get to that in a couple, maybe next week as God helps us to get to the scriptures here and sees that to be spirit-filled actually means to be submitted one to another. This is so dynamic. Like, I want the Holy Spirit's power in order that I can, like, see through walls and, like, you know, prophesy and know the future, you know? And God's like, how about you just have my power to be nice to people, you know? Like, how about we start there, you know? And, I was like, and I'm like, I want to rule the world. And he's like, I know. <laughs> I'm not going to let you. But instead, I'll command you to submit to others as unto the Lord. How about that? How about that miracle? You walk in that miracle, Luke. You, walk, you submit to others. You take others and you esteem them better than yourself. Did you realize that's a miracle? Okay, because each and every one of us naturally esteems ourselves better than everyone else. I'm just saying naturally. I mean, it's just messed up. And he says, hey, let me redeem that. Let me fill you with my spirit so everywhere you go, you can look at others as better than yourself, submitting to them as unto the Lord. You're doing it with God in the picture. God's going to take care of this person, whether it's a husband or a wife or an employee or an employer or the person next to you. So I'm not can't submit to them, Lord. They're an idiot, you know. <laughs> and God says, well, do it, do it for me. Well, can I trust you? We ask. I don't want to do it, Lord, because I don't know if I can trust you. <laughs> really? <laughs> we'll talk about that as we get to it. You can trust him. Let me just tell you, okay? He goes on to say this. What's it look like to be spirit-filled? Because, by the way, these, these little breaks, these little heading margins, or even in chapter 6, they're not there in the original. He keeps talking about a spirit-filled life, and he doesn't, again, get to miracles, signs, and wonders, except for he does say uh, this. Wives, verse 22, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. And he's the savior of the body. I guess there is a miracle right there. <laughs> Wives, submit to your husbands. And he's, this is the instruction given to them. This is how I want you to be filled with the spirit. And he gives this proof text in verse 24. He says, therefore, this is how it looks, just as the church is subject to Christ, well, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. I love this picture, this contrast. He says, wives, submit to your husbands and follow them. And all the people around are like, what? What does that mean? Double click on that word submit. Let's make sure it really means that. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can always tell the rebellious Christian wants to do a word study on certain words that, you know, hold him accountable. Like, well, let's read it in 12 different translations, you know, and the original Hebrew. And it's a culture thing. It's culture. You know, listen. 
he uses this picture alongside, this, this parable, if you would. He uses this, this, this idea. He says, it's just like Christ in the church. The church submits to Christ willingly. So stoked. The church, we're, we're here to look to Jesus, our, our, our husband, our cover. Oh, we love him. Why? Because we know he first loved us. Because his love is demonstrated so richly that on a cross, he spread his hands out and bled to death for your sins and for my sins. So for you and I to respond, to submit and walk to and follow Jesus, no big deal. It's actually a really, uh, it's a high invitation to do so. And he uses that picture. We'll unpack that. He says this, husbands, verse 25, being spirit-filled, means to love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. It should say right after there, he who has a happy wife has a happy life. <laughs> it doesn't, but you know the picture. It's right there. It, love your wife is like loving yourself. Guys, figure it out. Like She's happy. We're all happy. She ain't happy. Nobody's happy. Here we go. Verse 29. No one, no one ever hated. He, he does say it kind of cool. No one ever hated his own flesh, but he nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. This is God's perfect picture. And the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each of, uh, of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now stop right there, eyes up here. I'm going to pray in a minute. But again, chapter six isn't there in the original. He keeps going down this list. Spirit filled. What's it mean to be spirit filled? And he says, man, be joyful, be thankful, be submissive, be an obedient wife, be an obedient husband. God's going to give you both roles to fulfill. Both you need to submit to him in your obedience. Then he's going to go on in chapter six to kids. Kids, respect your parents and obey your parents. Parents, don't be dumb to your kids. Employees, be good to your employers. Employers, be good to your employees. And all this whole thing Here's the deal. We're, I just need you to get this because I want to instruct you today. I love inspiring you, but I want you to go out of here having something to work with. If you're a Christian, okay, God wants you to walk as a Christian. You're sitting as a Christian in him. You're good to go, Ephesians 1 through 3. But now he wants you to walk. And the first walk we focused on was unity. Unity. Chapter 4 is awesome. We had Pastor Andy Albright here from the Nazarene Church. Unity within the body. Man, go after that. That's not it, though. He also said purity, and we talked about that for weeks at a time. Purity. Don't be a part of dumb stuff, the darkness, and be light. And Man, you've got to repent and redeem the time. Purity. Now, today, though, he wants us to understand if you're spirit-filled, if you're a Christian here, you're going to walk in harmony with the people around you. Okay? There's going to be a fluidity. There's going to be a joy. There's going to be a celebration of who you are in the Lord and who others are in the Lord. It's harmony in the home. And you're going to, if you're filled with the Spirit, you're going to find yourself fulfilling God's role, God's will, God's way right now in your marriage or in your singleness or in your employment or in your unemployment or in your sickness or in your health and all your stuff. You can find yourself doing exactly what God wants you to do. That being said, let's pray. I think we have 10 minutes left. Jesus, we love you very much, and we submit ourselves to you right now as students. Matter of fact, you've not given your word to us to edit it, but instead to declare it. You don't need editors. You need messengers. And so, Lord, we just want to surrender to you and say, okay, okay, okay. We'll, we'll, we'll take your word at face value. 
And I pray in Jesus' name for help to teach this now and for us, Lord, to receive this now. And so every single person would leave here today asking a couple questions. They would say, am I a Christian? And that they would answer that very easily. And then they would ask the question, am I filled with the Holy Spirit? And I pray that they would answer that very easily and know that they are. But then if they ask the question, am I focused? Am, am I directed? Am I submitted to his will? When things aren't joyful, can I be joyful? When I don't feel thankful, can I be thankful? When I don't want to submit, can I submit? When I don't want to love, can I love? When I, can, I, can I actually have the power of God to overcome my circumstances in the spirit? And I pray, Jesus, that we, this church, anyone listening online, that we would be transformed from the inside out. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in us. So we can speak in tongues? Yep. So we can heal people when necessary? Yep. So we can perform miracles? Yes. So we can also just be good dads, great moms, beautiful neighbors, loving people, filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why. So Lord, anoint us. It just simplify it. Make it just make it so practical that this church becomes on fire from the inside out. And the fire from within is sustained because it's you, not us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. As I seek to instruct us in this and help us to understand what it means to be linked to the Holy Spirit and filled with the Holy Spirit and walking in the Spirit. Again, we're at that verse 18. Don't be drunk. Don't look to the things of the world. and Don't walk in the darkness, all the other previous verses, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he just kind of double clicks on what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit in practical terms and goes through a whole list all the way to the end of chapter 6. The whole rest of the book is all about what it looks like to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, not in your own power. Now, let me just go over a few things that I believe are inferred, but you got to know this. Number one, when you got saved, you surrendered everything to him. Okay, you're not your own anymore. Like you became, your, you became his person. He owns you. As a matter of fact, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, and I've actually referenced it in the last couple months a bunch of times. You should have it in your repertoire as well. He says this, 1 Corinthians 6, 19. He says, or do you not know that your body, that's us, is the temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you, whom you have from God, and you're not your own? Paul gets a little bit snippy sometimes. Like He's like, do you not even know what happened when you got saved? God moved into you kind of a big deal, you know? You're now the temple of the Holy Spirit, the third part of the Godhead who breathes creation into existence. And he kind of looks at people like, are you really going to just think that way, do that thing? Like, what are you doing? He goes on to follow the thought in 1 Corinthians 6, and he says, for you were bought at a price, there's the convincing argument, therefore, and the therefore is always there for a reason, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. That he owns you. And right away, if you're a Christian here, man, you're so blessed. You're going to heaven when you die. Your sins are forgiven you, but you've also been given instructions to live. You're not your own anymore. Or do you not know that you were bought at a price? I mean, he just would, what is wrong with you? And I would say this to myself. By the way, this is, I'm, I'm learning this too. Like, how do I get this prideful spirit, this rebellious attitude, this mindset that just takes me to do my own thing? He's like, really? Don't you know that I'm shacked up with you now? I live in you. You can't be doing this. 
Well, anyways, you got to swallow that one at the front end of your navigation toward being spirit-filled. So uh, to walk with God, you got to have three things under your belt. And you could take notes today. Today would be a good thing just to write down headings or come to the evening service or watch the teaching again online. But number one, you're not your own anymore. You're not the boss, okay? That's good news because, by the way, when you're the boss, you ruin everything, Okay? <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like, you know, if you're, if you're humble enough to join me, I'm like, yeah, for sure. We're talking like, woo, weird. When I'm in charge, and I, man, and I, I willingly surrender and say, yeah, I don't want to be the boss anymore. As a matter of fact, I was thinking of some people I know right now that are struggling with direction in their life, making the right decisions. And I can see based on what they're doing, I can see they're, they want to be the boss. I want to make the decisions still. In a moment of honesty and complete humility, if you can find a person, yourself too, and ask that, this question, when you're the boss and you do what you want, and it's contrary to what God wants, and you, just, you choose to just, man, just whatever, and you do it, and you get it, are you truly happy? And I, I, I've been there, I've done my own thing, got my own way, most miserable person in the world. And I see people that are struggling right now to let go and to let God. People are struggling to be the boss still. I just want to make my decisions. like, man... The happiness you're looking for is not in the direction you're going. And to ask yourself that question, am I, this, this decision I'm making, this relationship, this activity that I'm just choosing to say, whatever, because that's what you're choosing to do. And I do the same thing. We all do it on micro levels. Okay, when you get there, guaranteed, you're not happy. You're bummed. Man, I can't believe it. Anyways, you're not the boss because you're no good at it. <laughs> Anyways, number two, oh, not only you're not the boss, here's the good news. Now you're a saint. You're in. God said, don't be the boss anymore. You'll wreck everything. But can you be a part of my team and be an ambassador of heaven? How about that? Can I fail you? And you actually get to live on purpose. Your whole life now has been redeemed, and you get to do things for a greater purpose than your own little small kingdom. You're a saint. You're an ambassador. God says, when you go to Fred Myers, when you go to the, the wrestling room, when you go to the gym, when you go to school, when you go to the nursing home, when you go to the job site, wherever it is, you walk in, whether you like it or not, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm an ambassador of Christ, believe it or not. Like, I'm living for, and that changes everything. And whether you're dealing with secular environments or people or the legal systems or stuff that's frustrating on earth, hey, guess what? I'm here representing heaven. It's the real deal. I got a pulse with a purpose. It's going to be forever, and it'll change your whole life. You're not the boss anymore. Deal with that. But you're also a saint, an ambassador of Christ. And here's the, probably the best of these three. If you want to be a Christian here today, number three, you got to rest in the fact that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. That he's just not, not going to fail. He is not going to fail. And so if you're here today, man, I'm tripping, I've blown it, I'm rebellious, I've made some wrong decisions, I'm this, I'm confused, I'm scared, guess what? He's none of those things, okay? He's going to be faithful. He's going to take all your stuff and he's going to kind of put it into the flux capacitor there, you know, just like in Back to the Future 2 and make fuel out of it. He's going to make it awesome. Some, he's going to make it awesome in your life and in my life. It's like bumper bowling with Jesus, man. He's got you covered. Just keep bowling, throwing those balls down. God's got you, so don't trip out. Now, here's the deal. How do we then serve and shine and walk and do what we do? I just need you to grasp this concept. And the Holy Spirit has given to us the word of God to instruct us. Did you know that from Genesis to Revelation, it's a, it's a grand meta narrative that is a story, overarching story of the redemption of God, the goodness of God, the purpose of God, the plight of man, the mess of man, the mistakes of man, and how God redeems it all. 
It's just crazy. The whole book's all the same, just so you know. And so when you're reading Old Testament, it always is going to picture New Testament principles. So here we are in a New Testament principle. We just heard 1 Corinthians 6 that you're the Holy Spirit. You're the temple now, man. God lives in you. You were bought at a price. This whole thing's happening to you. It's being filled with the Spirit. But check this out. Thousands of years ago, there was a man named Zerubbabel. Okay, everyone say Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel. As a matter of fact, if you're expecting a baby boy anytime soon, no one's using that name. I mean, it's just, you're looking for a unique name for your kiddo? Hey, Zerubbabel, you know? <laughs> I'm serious. But anyway, Zerubbabel, 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 Zerubbabel was commanded by God to go rebuild the second temple. Okay, it was Solomon's temple. Solomon's temp temple constructed in 1000 BC was destroyed by the Babylonians and the Syrians and all of that. And so it was reconstructed, the, the temple where God lives. Interesting picture. And he began construction. You know the story. And as he began construction, about four years into it, he stopped. Hardship came his way. Conflict. Neighbors coming at him. Legal documents being handed to him. Illegal now to build the temple. All kinds of setbacks. Now here's the point. 17 years go by and he doesn't do anything with the temple of God until a man named Zechariah shows up. Zechariah shows up and says, hey, Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel, and they had this conversation. He says, Zerubbabel, here's the deal. You're going to finish the temple. It's going to be legit. God sent you to do it. You've had a 17-year hiatus through hardship and tough times and rebellion around you, but you're going to finish it. But he said this in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. He said, it's not by might nor by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. You may have been able to finish it, Zerubbabel, in your own power, but I stopped you so I could get a hold of your heart. But you're going to finish it, but the way you're going to do it isn't by your own strength, your own ingenuity, and your own effort. Okay, It's going to be by my spirit, says the Lord. So here we are in now Ephesians chapter 5. He says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Same principles are on us as they were on Zerubbabel. We're going to do it. It's going to happen. But it's not going to be by your strength or, or my effort. It's all about God, walking in the Spirit, walking in the Holy Spirit, the power of God living in you and in me. And so I just would encourage you, even read Zechariah chapter 4 or Ezra chapter 4, these books that detail what this looked like. And I'll tell you what, you might be asking yourself this question even at the beginning here. How do I walk in the Spirit then? How do I do these things? And he contrasts it. How do I find myself with joy and thankfulness and, 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 and sobriety, if you would, or towards others? How do I do it? And he says, don't do it with the bottle. Don't go in that direction, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the deal. It's all about the Holy Spirit. Some of you love to read God's word so you know what it says so you can do what it says, right? It's pretty simple. Like, I like to know what it says so I can do it. Some of you maybe would even abstain from alcohol and some other stuff. And say, I'm going to stop doing this so I can do it better. And I, I get that. That's practical and pragmatic, and it, it, it's right. But be careful of seeking to move forward in your own strength. I'm just going to love my husband, okay, as soon as he's lovable. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> or whatever. I'm going to do this as soon as it's doable. I'm going to set this down as soon as it's set downable. You know, I'm going to repent as soon as I don't like this anymore. How many of you guys don't repent over your sin until you're finally fed up with it, and then it's easier to repent because you're actually mad at your sin? Okay. The Holy Spirit overrides and overtakes who you are and allows you to do the things God wants you to do. The Holy Spirit. You can't even be a Christian without the Holy Spirit. You can't be a good dad, a good mom, a good single person. You can't do it. You won't be able to be joyful, thankful, and submissive to anybody without the Holy Spirit. Well, if I just try harder. No. 
Luke, inspire me. No. He instructs us. As a matter of fact, Jesus said it this way. He's got 12 disciples that loved being with him. And he said, hey, boys, you having a good time? Yeah, we're having a great time. He said, okay, here's the deal. It's better for you that I go away. I'm going to die and leave. And they're like, <laughs> Jesus, you've been right this whole time until now. Like you were batting a thousand, but you don't know what you're talking about. You being here is really good for this thing. That whole walking on water thing, man, we could go far with that, you know? Don't go anywhere. What are you talking about? And Jesus said, no, 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 no. If I go, I'll send you the Holy Spirit. And it won't just be me, Jesus, God the Son, face to face with you. It'll be God the Holy Spirit with everybody all at once. It's better. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to do three things. John 16. He said he's going to convict you of sin of righteousness and of judgment to come. And so the Holy Spirit comes into your life, and the first thing he does is he starts to make you sensitive towards the stuff in your life that is going to disqualify you or mess with you or hurt you, and you start to feel sensitive to the things that you shouldn't be doing. Don't you love when you first got saved? You're like, man, I'm going to heaven. And then pretty soon you're like, I should probably stop some of these things. You know, <laughs> like, you just, and it wasn't somebody telling you, it wasn't a PO or your parents. It was like the Holy Spirit began to reveal to you. It's so good when the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin. So I just need you to understand and just celebrate how important a relationship with the Holy Spirit is for your life in, in moving forward, in knowing what's right and in doing what's right. And so you've heard terms before, being spirit-filled and walking in the spirit, and you probably have associated that with some of the more miraculous thing. And, and yes, you do need the spirit to preach a sermon like this. You need the spirit to go on a mission trip. You need the spirit to go witnessing. You need the spirit to do things. You just need the spirit to be you, okay? So don't accidentally think, well, you know, I'll get super anointed and filled when I go to Russia on a mission trip. You know, that's really important. You need to get spirit-filled when the alarm clock goes off. As soon as that bad boy goes off, oh, no, you know, it's me again. What am I doing here? Oh. And you got to bring it all back in, all back in to subjection, to being filled, to, to walk in unity and to walk in purity and to walk in harmony. And I'll tell you what, man, you got to know that you know that you know how to do that. And again, um, I just need to say this quickly, I don't have much time, but he contrasts it with this whole idea of, of turning to the bottle of alcohol and turning to other things, lesser things. He says, don't do that because it's going to mess with you. Don't look to a depressant, look to a stimulant. You got a problem in front of you, careful with that depressant you go to, whatever it is, because it will eventually dissipate and it will have problems. But the stimulant of the Holy Spirit will actually help you to be joyful, thankful in all things, and will help you to submit and to lead and all the rest. And so if you miss the teaching on alcohol, because that's what he specifically references, I taught on it the last three weeks in a row, if you missed the teaching teaching on alcohol, listen to last week's teaching. Please do so, okay? If you think today that drinking any alcohol at all is a sin, listen to last week's teaching, please, okay? If you think that drinking alcohol is no big deal and there's no warnings involved, listen to last week's teaching, please. If you feel right now like you could have a drink of alcohol, like you're wanting one right now, listen to last week's teaching. I had a few people say, man, I heard Pastor Luke say there's no problem with drinking and this is so good. And I was like, what? Listen to last week's teaching, please. I'm pretty sure it's pretty clear and detailed in there. And uh, that being said, I just need to say, he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because you're going you're to ask the question right now. Okay, I want to be joyful. And, and in my life, I know how to do that. I can, I can take a hit of this or take a drink of that or experience this. And I find joy, at least at the beginning. But then the end, there's a payment. 
How, how am I going to do this? How am I going to be thankful when my situation, how am I going to do this? It's by being filled. And so let me just give you some points. You could write this stuff down about what being filled with the Holy Spirit is. Because verse 18 says, do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. First of all, there's positional versus practical, okay? Positional is where you are. Practically is how it works. Do you guys know the difference? Positionally, if you're a Christian, if you got saved, positionally, Christ downloaded on you the entirety of his Holy Spirit. Boom, you got it all, okay? You can't get any more of the Holy Spirit. Boom, you got it, okay, when you got saved, positionally. But practically, you're filled positionally, but practically, sometimes we find ourselves not focused, okay? So you will always be filled and sometimes focused. Focused on what? Focused on living in a life that is subject to the Holy Spirit's power and purpose, you're always filled. Don't misunderstand God. Don't, don't, when he says be filled, he's not talking about, oh, you're a quarter full. You need three quarters more. Or you're five eighths. You just need to you know, get that refill. Filling actually means this. To be filled with something means to be given over to the control of. Other portions of scripture say, and they were filled with wrath. Okay, which means wrath had taken over. That was what they were listening to, and that's what they were going on, wrath. You can be filled with all kinds of bad things. You can be under the control of good things. And he says, be under the control of the Holy Spirit. It's really that simple. So if you're a Christian here, don't believe the hype that you need to start doing some Holy Spirit burpees, you know, and Holy Spirit, you know, cleans, and, do, you know, get some exercise to get filled. You're full. You're full. Okay, believe it or not, you're full. It's what the scriptures declare. You've got it all, but your focus can be double-minded at times. Okay? And your actions can be duplicitous in, in certain days. And he says, okay, you're, you got it all. It's just a matter of bringing yourself back into subjection with what he's already provided enough of. So if you ever use the excuse, well, I can't do it. I don't have enough of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> no, no, you got plenty. You, you just need to repent. You need to follow step one. The Holy Spirit comes to convict of sin. Step one is he's probably trying to get something out of your life or attention in some area where you just, I don't want to listen. I don't want to listen. Why don't you have the Holy Spirit right now? I don't know what his problem is. You know, I don't know where he's at. Listen. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. So you're already full. You just need to be focused. And, and number uh, one, going through this, um, you just need to be controlled. Number two, the command to be filled is plural, okay? It's not singular, as in pastors need to be filled or worship leaders need to be filled or missionaries. It's plural. It's a command to the whole church. And he goes through this list now, hitting everybody along the way. I like this because... It eliminates the holy man and the holy place myth, okay? These two myths that say, well, where God's people are and servants are, they're filled with the Holy Spirit, and my pastor's filled and the worship leader's filled, but I'm just a, I'm just a person. And I, or maybe you're not at church and you think, well, I can't be filled with the Holy Spirit until I go to the warehouse in South Beach on Sunday or something weird like that. Listen, it's plural. It's a command to everybody, man, woman, and child, okay? Just don't, don't miss that. If you're here today saying, well, it's not my job to be filled, it's your job. That's what he's, I want to fill you. Do you not know that you're not your own? You were bought at a price? Therefore, you're to glorify God in your bodies, which are his? Do you get this? Is what Paul's saying. It's for everyone. It's plural. Not just plural. Check this out. It's in the present tense. The verb here, be filled, is in the present tense. So it never ends. It never resolves. Get filled and walk on. No, it's be ye. It's actually translated. It doesn't make any sense in English. Be ye being filled. Being filled, you're always being focused and refocused and refocused. Have you ever been a teacher or a parent or a coach of children? You know that their focus is like, you know, kids going everywhere. and You've always got to bring them back, bringing them back. So too, it's present tense. Be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And as soon as your mind wanders, what do you do? Go find it, get it, and bring it back. And as soon as you veer off course again, what do you do? Go get it back. 
It's just simple. Be ye being filled. Number one, it's plural. It's for everyone. Number two, it's a present tense. It doesn't resolve. And uh, number four or three, if you're, I don't even know how to count today. But it, it, the verb is also, this is the good part, is passive. Okay? It's not an active verb that you do. It says to be filled. It's something that he does to you. When you position yourself and surrender and submit and say, Lord, I, I can't do it, but you can. I think I'll let you. And as a pastor, this is very practical because I rarely stand up here, just so you guys know a little bit about me. I rarely stand up here like, oh, I'm going to kill it today. I got this. You know, Rarely. Usually I'm like, this is my job? Is there anybody else? Nobody? All right. You know? And then you trust the Lord and say, Lord, would you fill me? Would you do it? And maybe you're a little bit humble, deep within, like me, deep within. You don't see it, but it's deep there. And I, I look at myself, I'm like, wow, I've got a wife to take care of? What? Who authorized this? <laughs> I can't take care of a wife. I got kids. They're my kids. I got a house. What? Who is doing this? This is crazy. <laughs> Do you not know who I am? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and yet you just let the Lord fill you. You be you. Don't believe the hype of the enemies that, oh, you won't be a good mom, you won't be a good dad, you won't be a good business owner, you won't, you, you in and of yourself, okay. We're not talking about that, though. We're talking about a person who is yielded to the presence of God in the form of the Holy Spirit, who will let him tell you what's right and wrong, and then you won't defend yourself, you know, tooth and nail. What about the Greek? What about the Hebrew? What about the culture? Listen, you just say to him, okay, you redeemed me at a price. Who am I to argue with you? And you step into that role as a man or a woman, as a kid, or single or married, and you just be you as you love and look to Jesus Christ, and he fills you. And, in, and being filled with the Holy Spirit is passive, and it's something that he does for you. So again, you're, you're controlled by him. You're taken over. That's what it means to be filled. I want this to make so much practical sense for you, because you're all going to go your way, and hopefully you're a little bit inspired, and hopefully you're a lot bit instructed. You're like, okay, I got to do what I got to do. I got to pay my bills and make decisions and, and buy groceries and vote soon. And I got I to gotta be nice to a coworker probably, you know, and I got to gotta do things. How am I going to do this? Give yourself over to the Lord. Control me, okay? Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Stop being your own CEO. Stop being your own free will agent. Stop making up your own decisions. You're not a good boss of your life. Just let it go. Let him do it. Okay, I'm going to let God do it. I'm going to let God, oh, really? Wow, that's going to be awesome. And then the Lord will take your life and all of ours, because this command is not just a singular, it's plural, and it's not just once, it's present. It's not just uh, your doing, but it's passive. <sighs> a lot of people wonder what the Holy Spirit's waiting for. <laughs> He's not waiting for anything except for you to give up and to let him be God. Why don't you do something, Lord? Why don't you, you know? Not, I want to do it, but it's not by might. It's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And as we get into this, and I'm actually going to have the worship team come up. I just, we don't have enough time to, to teach it thoroughly, uh, what this looks like. But this next, this could be your homework. Chapter 5, verses 19 and, and 20 and 21. And husbands and wives, verses 22 and all the way to verse 33 and what it looks like to be spirit-filled, to be a Christian. And this doesn't, again, not mean that we don't walk in power and do miracles, but there's a lot of days that are just normal. And I don't know about you, but I'm not planning on checking out anytime soon. 
Maybe you are. I'm not. And even if you are, guess what? God wants to use your life as an ambassador for the kingdom of heaven. On days like September 11th, when we remember, what? What happened? How did this happen? Who would do this? What's wrong? And you would stand there with answers. And you would have purpose, and you would have hope, and you would have understanding. And even in the midst of your failure, maybe you're in a failure right now. Maybe you've made some horrible decisions, or maybe some decisions have been handed down to you. You're like Zerubbabel. 17 years of chaos, and you're just wondering, there's a half-built temple. I don't think it's very impressive. And Zechariah, chapter 4, verse 6, would come to you and say, hey, I got you. I never have not got you. I'm going to finish this. It's not by power, though, or might, but it's by my spirit. And so I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes as we prepare to come take communion and celebrate what the Lord has done already and what the Lord wants to do. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your work. We thank you for your work, your commitment to us, your love and your grace. That Jesus, you died and then sent the Holy Spirit to be with us. We just applaud you. We say, wow, that's just, you're so thorough. You're so effective. You're so powerful. So we thank you for that. We thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the blessing of the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit. And I pray in Jesus' name, if you're, if you're here today and you, you just want the Holy Spirit to live your life right, speaking in tongues and doing miracles and hearing God's voice, that's going to happen too. But right now, you're kind of a train wreck. You're the CEO, you're the boss, you're making decisions, and you've just blown it. And today you want to tap out and say, Holy Spirit, take over. May the Holy Spirit convict me of sin and righteousness and judgment to come. And may I live with him and be joyful when I'm maybe not full of joy. And be thankful when everything around me is not full of thanks. And may I submit to the people around me. We'll learn that next week, man. Holy Spirit, just anoint me. If you're here today and you want to give your life to Jesus in that way, or maybe you are a Christian, you're full, but you're not focused. You just want to be filled and focused with the Holy Spirit. Would you just raise your hand right now? Whether you're giving your life to Jesus for the first time, you're tapping out saying, you be the boss. I don't want to be the boss anymore. If you don't want to be the boss anymore, raise your hand right now. You control freaks, raise your hand. Submit to Jesus. Let him fill you with his Holy Spirit. Lord, my hand is up too. I, I just want to be the boss and I apologize. Lord, I only want your will. My will is difficult. My will doesn't work your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, Lord. Raise your hand if that's your prayer. You want God's will in your family. You want God's will. His book, he rules. He reigns. He's the boss. He's good and you know it. You want him to change the way you live. Maybe change your relationships or change your direction. You need him to change your thinking. Raise your hand right now if you just need God's will overlaid over your will right now. Submit to him Christians and non-Christians. Become believers today. Lord, hands are up everywhere, and I pray in Jesus' name you would be honored. We want your will, not our will, to be done. And we thank you, Lord. In advance, we trust you. You will be faithful to complete the work that you began in us. Until the day we see you face to face. It's who you are. It's what you do. We worship you, Lord. We're going to come to the table now and celebrate. How do we know our God is so good? He showed us his love. In that while we were sinning, he died for us and rose from the dead, paying for our redemption. And so, Lord, as we come to the table, we do so with humility and thanksgiving. And we ask for an anointing, Lord, to be dads and husbands and moms and wives and guys and gals and kids and grandparents. Anoint us. Business owners and employees, Lord. Oh, may this whole town be radically 
influenced by your church, by this church, by every church, by the church. May we just be so filled with the Spirit, focused on you. Do it now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.